Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And we are here for another weekend of uh, rugby chat, despite the fact there wasn't a lot of rugby being played. But that's just the thing about this podcast. As you know, we are here 52 weeks of the year and we make every effort and every endeavour to be there every single Monday morning. Uh, Whether that means you're working, continuing to be furloughed or uh, in another situation we're always there with the rugby on a Monday morning so thank you very much for listening or subscribing if you haven't subscribed already you should do wherever you get your podcasts we are our, uh, Egg Chasers A-ca- where, where is it Acast Spotify we're everywhere, we're everywhere. We're, Google we're omniscient we're om- Omnipotent, 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 omnipotent. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. That's JB. (laughs) Hello, Tim. In the rugby dungeon, Uh, and Phil down the line in the egg chasers TMO shipping container. How are you doing, Phil? Hello, Tim. Yes, very good, thank you. Weird. I didn't watch any rugby this weekend. Why? There was little bits and bobs on. Well, I don't have Premier Sport to watch Pro 14. So I've got a new mission now. I want to get my average match cost on Premier Sport down to ten quid. <laughs> so last week it was so hundred quid. You've got to watch sixteen games. Is that right? Yeah, I've got to watch this week. Uh, so hundred quid is down to fifty quid this weekend. <laughs> and I guess if you ask, if you add the, I watched half the Zebra game. Don't know why I did that, but I did. So I, the Zebra Edinburgh game. Zebra Edinburgh game. I, do you know what? I've got a little bit of a soft spot for Edinburgh. So that's like thirty-seven pound fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technically, because you're only half the game. But thing is, it starts <laughs> off really easy, doesn't it? Obviously, you know, hundred pound, fifty pound. But it gets harder and harder. You know, each <laughs> going, it's, it's, I'm in the real slog. Especially when the fixtures are dragons versus zebra. Yeah, or whatever. I, I did have blues and uh, scarlets in my diary. In my um, alarm to watch and I was going to do it but I had to go out for a run instead and I was going to watch Ospreys and I wish I did actually because it sounds like it was, it was a belt well game. I just want to say let's just set this uh, the seed right now so the time is currently 8.45pm on Sunday night I want absolutely no Brady, Rogers, Packers, Buccaneers spoilers please yes thank you if uh, anything amazing happens that you hear or see on just I don't want a word of it I've already texted my various groups saying, no spoilers, please. Mm. This is not Ross Kemp in <laughs> Afghanistan. For those of you that listened last week. Uh, yeah, but so we do have plenty of rugby stories to talk about. Um, and we've got various things going on. Um, most notably, I think, in the last seven days, the international squads have all been unveiled with some quite interesting names in and out. Yeah. Really interesting, actually. Yeah, and some of them you can sort of theme together. So in the England squad, Harry Randall, who was being eyed up by Wales. Yes. Paolo Adogu, who was being eyed up by Italy. Yes. And yes. Cameron Redpath, who appears to have abandoned England. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Cam, Cam, Cam Redpath has done a Gary Graham. He has. He has. Got the stash and then buggered off. <laughs> Cheers, lads. Uh, so we can talk about each of these guys individually. I think I'll kick off with this, which is I do not like the predatory selection 
process. Do we agree that it's predatory or is that wrong? So so do you mean that Eddie Jones, for example, has, has only picked Paolo Odogu so that Italy can't or Harry Randall so that uh, Wales can't? I sincerely hope that he has picked both those lads because he likes them and nothing else. That's what I sincerely hope. And, I, you know, I, yeah, I look at what Paolo has done over the last few weeks and you think, yeah, he's done really well. But other lads have done a lot more over a, lo- over a much more extended period of time and not got in. You think about you know how Don Armand played over two seasons and, and, and saw no action whatsoever. Uh, so I do think there is a sort of... There is another thing going on there, which is, of course, the Italy selection. But I hope I'm wrong on that because... I don't want anyone to feel that they've been selected for the international squad purely for politics. But it happens to Gary Graham. Well, it happens to Ben Vellacott. Well, Sam Moore. Yeah. Well, Paolo Dogu's made a slimmed-down England squad, which is why I didn't think it would happen. And I thought, because exactly what you said, there's no doubting he's had some really impressive performances in recent weeks. But it, that is exactly what it has been. Several good performances in recent weeks. And we haven't seen an, an extended period of time. And, and like you say, I think... In a position where there's lots of contenders for England, I mean, fair play for Eddie Jones for a change, striking and picking on form. So I don't want to complain now he's actually done it. But equally, mm-hmm. I would feel quite hard done by if I was a couple of other people. Well, uh, so these this the problem, okay? Uh, to start with, I think it's fairly immoral because we know that the international teams have a huge sway over players' decision making when it comes to their finances. The pull of England means a lot of lads will stay in England when they really have no chance of getting in the English squad. They should go to France or somewhere where they can, where, where they can get a big payday, but they stay here. Now, to dangle the carrot of international rugby in front of a player's face and have no intention to pick them, like Ben Vellacott, like Gary Graham, who have allegedly, according to Gary Graham, at least, Eddie Jones didn't even know his name. Now, I don't know if that is Eddie Jones' mind games or what, but it does tell you that there's something else going on there, and I do, do not think that that... I don't, that can't be the case with Paolo Dogu, in a, because or Harry Randall, because as I said, it's a yeah. 28-man squad. Yeah, Randall, I think, is uh, definitely there, because, well, they've looked at all the other scrum halves, and for whatever reason it is, he, they, they don't tick the box. For Paolo Dogu. He is unique. You know, there's no way about it. He is unique. And I was speaking to a good, a good journalist friend of mine, whose name I will never mention on the podcast because I'm sure he doesn't want me to, men- to, uh, uh, to mention it. But he was saying, like, you know, this guy uh, can break the line. He's probably the closest thing to Manu Tuolangi in terms of, you know, explosivity. Um, you know, England got a load of playmakers, so they don't need any more of them. It does make sense in, in that way. What do you think, Phil? Yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting point, the the Manu missing point. And I know you've got Ollie Lawrence, he's a slightly different player, but he does offer some of the the, the, um, the same attributes. But with um, the other big direct running guy in Joe Thocknessinger also being missing, it does kind of make sense that you want someone else who can be that heavy traffic runner, and Ollie uh, just, Thorley, just is, is Ollie Thorley not fit? Was he not considered? He is fit now, yeah. He is fit. Yeah, see. This well, so-, he, so he's not in the shadow squad. He's not in the main squad. And he wasn't listed as an injured player. As yeah. in like, um, so he's, Man, he's just- Manu... Uh, sorry, Mako is listed as rehabbing with the squad in Eddie yeah. Jones's official announcement. So I, so I read it wasn't. as Ollie Thorley's been bombed out of the squad. He's, he's gone. But he's... I don't... Because I'm not sure how fit he is because he dropped out... Of a, he dropped out um, before a game about two or three weeks ago, as right. in he was listed in the 23 and then dropped out bef- 
an hour before kickoff. Maybe had he been able to prove his fitness in in a game rec- more recently, he would have been in because I think he ticks that hard. Run. He, he's, he's a big, he's a big old unit. <laughs> he's big and he, he does. runs bloody hard and he's really fast. He does. Uh, and some someone like um, Jack Noel, were he fit, could be another option to do that uh, heavy traffic running. But as as it is. There are very few options other than Ollie Lawrence and Paolo Odogu. Yeah. So, well, fair play, Paolo Odogu. Now, if he goes and plays for England at 13, which is where Lee Blackett no. believes he is best. No. Well, it's this not, is it. It's this not going to happen. Well, this, this is it. Did you read the interview in The Times? He's a, a really good interview in The Times this Sunday with Paolo Odogu. And he says, Lee Blackett says, this is where you should play. 13, you look yep. like a 13, go and play there. He's like, yeah, absolutely, I'll, I'll go and play there. And his best games have been at 13. Now, I'm not saying... I mean, no, I'm definitely not saying he should play 13 for England. Because that is like... I mean, that's well, what... Hey, maybe he will. I didn't think he'd get in the squad either. Uh, how would you do... I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? If you think about Jonathan Joseph and you think about Paolo Adogu and you put Paolo Adogu on the wing in attack... Uh, sorry, in defence, where he's more used to playing. And then you have possibly the best defensive player in the entire squad... Certainly, the best defensive thirteen playing at thirteen in how on? Let me guess right in defence. Those two could swap around. I mean, they well, could do all sorts. Well, of you, well you're assuming could, that, could... that Ollie Lawrence or Henry Slade won't be thirteen as well. I am assuming well, that yes, but oh no! But the reason I say that is because one because yes, he can play on the wing as well. They can both. Swap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand what you mean. Sorry, but you are, you are assuming that. Um... Jonathan Joseph is in the squad, which he is not. Which he's not. Yes, that is. He's, uh, in, he's been bombed. He's, that is also true. He's in the shadow squad. Now, what is a shadow squad? That's a crime-fighting unit, is it? Which <laughs> <laughs> that that is basically would have been in the thirty-six man squad, but for the new tightened-up COVID situation. So, your uh, your first yes. reserve. Yes, but it's it's a wider so it's a twelve man squad. So it would take it to forty. Okay, and it looks it looks like a combination of. Um, a few guys who've dropped down from the squad, like uh, Joseph and Marchant, like um, Jack Willis, like Furbank, who for one reason or another, combination of um, fitness and form probably, have dropped down. And then some some much younger guys, like Joe Hayes, like George Martin, uh, Umaga and Charlie Atkinson, Ali Crossdale of Saracens is in there. Hell. Who, he's, who made a, what, he's made a training squad before. He's very, very good apparently. Very good. yeah, very highly rated former Sedbra player, um, but has done very little at, at Saracens and, and not he's twenty two. He's not yet really forced his way into that that Saracens first team. So it's it's a strange combination. Um, I don't think all of those players would be in a no. thirty six man squad if it was a no, wider squad. Not. But it's it's a good chance for Eddie to have a look at them. Well, not even Eddie. Um, some of the wider coaches to have a look at. Some of those younger well, guys, like, some of the like wider Joe Hayes and George Martin. Who are the wider coaches? Because aren't they all at home? Aren't they all isolating and not in the country? <laughs> I'm saying the very, it must be the very wider coaches because, yeah, you're quite right. Um, well, um, so fair play, Paolo Dogu. I think he does fit that physical attribute. It's a change from Eddie Jones picking on form because it is someone that wouldn't hasn't been on his radar at all until very recently. Uh, Harry Randall, we both we picked him in our squad last week, or I think you and I did, Phil. As I was delighted to see him in, I think the pace he adds, yeah. the pace he adds, could be really influential. Uh, we had him in an England squad with Dan Robson. Who is the Dan? Uh, who is the the other scrum half in the in the shadow squad? Uh, it's Alex Mitchell, who's oh. been in and out. Uh, see, 
the widest Dan squad. Robson. He was an apprentice player a while ago. Amazing, isn't it? It's amazing, it's isn't amazing. it? Now, now, just on the predatory selection policy, if you believe that's a thing which happens, which I do, do you think we should be looking to change Talking to the mic. selection criteria? So I put out a tweet the other day. Did you see it, Tim? They had a lot, quite, quite. I did. Well, but so before you, okay. Well, before you go into your nuanced one, I'll, I'll answer like really bluntly. Um, <laughs> well, no, I won't actually. Uh, <laughs> some people call me na- jingoistic, nationalistic, or whatever. But I quite like, I quite like people to um, be of the nationality of the country yeah. that they represent. And I would, I would move it along the lines of the Olympic Games, where. You, it can be uh, basically a passport citizenship, so by birth, by parentage, or if you actually take on the citizenship of a country, which usually involves five years, but actually you make a physical statement saying, I am now all in on this country, this is my home, this is where I have a passport for. I don't, I don't think that's nationalistic to suggest that should be mm. a minimum criteria for playing for an international team. Yeah, well, you have mixed views, don't you? You've got some fairly right centre views, some fairly left centre views. I mean, some might call you a national socialist, maybe. Maybe move uh, your microphone down a little bit because you'll or, or talk at it. Sorry, there oh, we sorry, go. I'm on a slightly <laughs> new, uh, slightly new setup here. Um, okay, so what about you, Phil? Briefly before before JB goes into depth on his, um, I. I'm quite happy with. I was quite happy with the three-year rule. I'm quite happy with the five-year rule. Um, I, I don't hate either of those. I don't like the idea of total flexibility. Like um, we've seen it in rugby league, we've seen it in football a little bit, um, where players play for one team one minute and another team the next minute. Um, however, we have spoken in the past about um, opening up, certainly for tier two nations, where if someone is capped by a tier one nation, they can move down the chain. So you could get one cap for the All Black or five caps for Australia. Um, like someone like uh, Tekeli Nairavoro, Charles Pietau. Good example. Um, yeah, Pietau, um, Rocket Aguni, players like that who've not got a huge number of caps, but yep. um, can then swap to what is effectively their home nations. Um, I would have no problem. In fact, I think that would be a big benefit to to world rugby for um, competitiveness and quality of the product. Yeah, yeah. And it does another thing that as well, doesn't it? It gives those emerging nations uh, a weapon in which to wield against the bigger nations because they can say, "Look, uh, if you want us to play in England, you you've got to play in England. We'll let you play anywhere, and you can still have the prestige of playing international rugby mm. when the time comes about." Yeah, it's a very nifty thing that they can do. So the other things I would add to this is say. If you're capped more than, say, 20 times, it's over. Or whatever that minute. There should be a minimum cap level where you cannot switch. Because... Ten. Ten, yeah, I think ten. Or be- five even, maybe. Well, it needs... Anyway, a, a number. It needs to be a number where it's not easy for a coach to give you uh, symbolic caps. So, you know, a 20-year-old yeah. can't just get one cap and then, oh, sack him off. Maybe he's good enough, maybe he isn't in the future. Yeah. Uh, and I think well, if you're under 25 and you make a mistake because someone's waved a big paycheck in front of you, you well, should be able to move. Well, but, 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 I'm 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 not against the going from going back to a a nation of birth or whatever, or nation where you live. Uh, just you move over. No, just, well, well, okay. I'm less comfortable with that one. If you were if you were born and raised in Samoa, go to school in New Zealand and end up doing really well, and playing for australia or new zealand for example that's the sort of uh, that's a well-trodden path mm. where that would happen you're a new zealand citizen because you've mm. been there since school years 
but you go if you went back and played for Samoa or Tonga or Fiji, I, I'm I'm kind of all right with that. Um, but I don't I, I don't I don't like the principle of saying if you're 25 and someone waved a check, we should just oh we should just give you a break because actually, well, what would you who, do who else 20 in, grand check? Who else in no, yeah? But who else in life aged at, when you're an adult? Gets like oh they they were an adult and they decided to take some money so let them off. It's I like, don't know. Look, look uh, they're adults. Take, you, you you make your you take it's uh, choices and consequences and that applies to any adult. No, nah, not in well, any yes, in any yes, job yes, in yeah. any walk of life. Yes, it does. But take the Paolo Dogger example, right? This is really nice because he was earning just over minimum wage at Sale. So if that contract for England, say if he had the, the same games he's having for Wasps a few years earlier for Sale. And actually, his contract at Wasps, I can't imagine, is going to be much bigger than the one he had at Sale. So he's not he's not a big money player. But let's just say you go back to his Sale days. He's had a few good games. We know he's qualified for Italy. And then somebody waves a check in front of him, which doubles his wage for one game. He'd be mad not to take it. Yeah, of course. Right. Well, uh, And, you know, Italy are, are, are going to pay that. Now, if they're doing that just so they can get him capped and then send him back to his club and never play him again... It's got as much to do with capturing the. It's got as much to do with not allowing another nation have that player as it does. Well, that's not predatory. That well, that's not predatory from Italy, though, is it? No, predatory from England. Yeah. Well, uh, do you see what I mean? Oh, yeah, I, I do see what you mean, but I also think there's. You know, we, we shouldn't. We shouldn't just look past the general principle of imagine I choices and you. consequences. Ima- imagine I pay rather than blaming rather than blaming unions, players are adults, and you make your choice. I, I agree with you, right? But. Right, so imagine paying someone 19 grand a year, okay? And then England come in and wave a cheque in front of your face and they say, look, here's another 20 grand. That's a really powerful driver. And I, I do understand what you're saying. Actions have consequences, but that's doubling someone's salary. That, that, it's not like 300k for Charles Piertau. Sorry, 300k? A million quid or whatever he's on. Um, <laughs> I think that's quite... A, I, I, you the, know? Pr- the principle I like about... Uh, if you only have a certain number of caps, go back and play. I don't like the principle of going, oh, let, let, it, it feels patronising to worry about the finances of players because um, this is this is international rugby we're talking about. Although I will say that, that, well, Cam Redpath, I wonder if money was his motivator when he initially went into the England squad because he's Scottish through and through. 100% it was. 100% it was. So, you know, that, that's a slightly different scenario. But again, I think he should be going out to make the most money possible. Yeah, I'm, f- I'm fine with that. Yeah, and so am I. On the, on the switching, I'm, I'm very comfortable with the switching down. I'm less comfortable with the idea of switching up. And the example I'll give is Ethan Asewa, who um, he got one cap for Fiji in 2003. Um, when he was a 21-year-old. And then when he was playing at the Blues after that, he started playing incredibly well. And um, there was talk of him playing for New Zealand. But he was already capped by Fiji. And he actually, um, according to a few articles I've read, he looked at mounting a legal challenge to allow him to play for New Zealand and subsequently threw his toys out of the pram when he wasn't allowed to play for New Zealand and never played for Fiji again. Um and, and, just, and then that, that probably meant he saved the legal fees because he could have done the same in Ireland as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, uh, his form... He, and Nasewa, I, I think he's an incredible player, absolute quality, um, such an all-round talented player. But it just it's quite a good example of the... the um, I don't know, the danger of if he was then allowed to trade up effectively, um, the damage it could do. 
Two other players yeah. who I wonder if they'd have made different choices if they'd have known how their careers were going to pan out. AJ McGinty. Uh, no, I don't think he would, you know. Uh, um, I think he loves playing for USA. Genuinely loves it. And Jake Pelledry. Ooh, Pelledry's an interesting one. I don't think he gets in the England squad. I think he's one of those players, I think we'd always look at him as like a Don Arm, like, why is he not there? Or a Ben Morgan or some, or a, what's Don the other guy that you, yeah, Don Brandt. Like, we love to watch him. He runs over people for fun for whatever reason it is. I do not think Eddie would go for him. But I could be completely wrong as well. I don't know. But he's he's one who, I mean, in the World Cup last year, he beat the most defenders of any forward by some distance. In When he was playing against South Africa as well, he was throwing off Springboks left, right and centre. He's just freakishly strong. He's incredible. And I just can't help but think you could make use of a man who's that talented in the England squad. Yeah, that is the point. Uh, There is something cool, though, isn't there, about being the biggest fish in a small pond? So I always (laughs) thought about Underhill making the wrong decision playing for England. Now, it's not the wrong decision because, of course, he's great. But he could be, like, the best USA player ever. He could be, like, the king of (laughs) USA. Could be Sierra as well. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot to be said for that. Like, Cam Redpath... I'm confident could have got 60 caps for England. He could get 60 caps for Scotland. He might end up being one of Scotland's great players. And that's a pretty cool thing. I'm the reason I'm disappointed with Cam Redpath um, choosing Scotland. And I I think he's, I think he is talented from what I've seen. I didn't see enough of him at sale, but I think I've seen a fair bit of him at Bath. And oftentimes this season, he stood out as their best player. Yeah. And the reason I'm disappointed that he's gone to Scotland, uh, and I hope he does very well for them, but um, it's because a problem that we've highlighted before is just England's lack of talent at 12 yeah. and well, the lack of options. If you think you're disappointed, how will Bath be thinking? Because they're missing not only EPQ, but then they're going to be missing their England credits too. Yeah. That, so that will actually have probably a reasonable impact on on them. But, but to uh, balance all that, up, squad. but to balance all that up and come back to the kind of emotions, which is what I want international rugby to be Why? about, it's rather about than cold cash. numbers, no. cold hard cash. Like <laughs> he should always have been in playing for Scotland because he's Scottish. His heart is Scottish. His heritage is Scottish. His dad played for Scotland. He should have been in the Scotland squad all along. Look, uh, in, international rugby stopped being about passion when Wales went to Parky Scarlets to play in front of no fans <laughs> that's when that's when the passion died and we knew it was about cold yeah, hard I'm sure it wasn't when they selected who was it who was the fullback that just turned out wasn't Welsh at all Shane Howarth Shane Howarth that's it Brett Simpkinson the flanker <laughs> and what about Brendan Laney oh, no Brendan Laney was Scottish wasn't he or was he there's another one that wasn't Scottish doesn't matter Redpath has got a mildly Mancunian accent as well so um, yeah. well he has lived around it, here for a long time yeah, so he should be he should be able to play for um, for England definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about the the Wales squads? Um, they they've gone uh, unlike England with Randall and Adogwu a couple, and they've ditched a few, you know, established internationals and some players that are, have been playing at the top of their game for a while, uh, in favour of some new blood. Uh, Wales have gone back to tried and tested, the likes of Dan Lydia in, and very uh, tried, guys very like tested. guys like Yo and Lloyd not uh, left on the side this time, which says to me that Wayne Pivak is feeling the pressure, needs results or it, now. Or does it say to you and Lloyd, hey, we've got him capped, leave him in England though. <laughs> we don't need to play him again. Uh, yeah, I 
don't mind the look of this squad. Mm. You know, it looks as good as they can possibly get out. They were par- apparently they're after Reese Priestland, which I think is a bizarre move. Well, they did. Last- well, Pivac tried to pick him last year and was blocked, and he's tried to pick him this year and has been blocked again. So, do you understand the Welsh structure for how they get their players over? Uh, I don't really care. Well, can I ask you a question? <laughs> right? Do you think? So is... sorry, the answer was no. Okay, I don't, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> so basically, they've got bandings, haven't they? So yeah. you know, if you're a player with X amount of caps, you're in X banding. If you play with no caps, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently, agents hate it. Because... And is there a certain number of players they're allowed that are outside of yeah, certain bands? Super. Th- no, sorry. There's 38 players which the WRU will pick up a part of their salary, basically. Okay. And they're all banded. So when they come back, like you're a lion, then you get paid X. If you're someone else, you get paid Y. And it's very, very stringent. Now, here's my question to you guys. Do you think it is fair to pay a guy based on based only on what the job is? So, if the job is the same and your CV is the same, is it fair that you get the same money? So, for ex- give me an example, because I think I know what you mean, but just, just paint yeah, so, with, with a, a hypothetical example with, two, say, two props. Yeah, two props, both Welsh qualified. Uh, one is... Yeah, both Welsh qualified. They are offered contracts at the Ospreys. They both have 50 caps or whatever. Both have 30 caps. Is it fair to pay them the same? Say you are in the same banding. Um, There's an argument that there's a fairness to it. However, it is not a market rate. No, because this isn't the club fee. This is the international fee. I think the... I, oh, sorry, is this is this international? He's talking about or, international. With, not yeah, the international. No. Yeah, so the inter, So the thing is, Wales will subsidise the wages. You see. Yeah. So you're playing club, but you're getting paid largely by the by the union, unless the union kicks you out of that thirty eight. In which case, the club then picks up all of your salary. Which can you imagine managing that? But the, but then this is the club. This is effectively their club salary because if you play international, you will get a standard match fee of fifteen grand. Or yes, 12 grand but to yeah. play in Wales, right? So to play in Wales, you'll be banded, and if you're of interest to the union in that thirty-eight, you'll get whatever is in that banding. Yeah. So do you think it's fair? Well, I so long as the player. Well, no, because the player, uh, as long as the player's getting roughly what they're worth, market rate. That's the problem with it, though. But then it's it's going to disincentivize that happening. Yeah, so my point is... Well, my theory on this is it is fair because you both are the same thing. Say, same age, same caps, unusual, same position, so on and so forth, right? So, you know, you, you'd expect the same money. But then what if you don't want to play in Wales? What if, you know, your family is settled in a beautiful town... Like and Bath's a bad example because, of course, it's very, very close. But you know, you you've got a happy family life in Bath, and they want you, want to move you to to Llanethly. And the other guy lives in Llanethly. I mean, we see this in the private sector all the time, don't we? Like, if you want to work in London, or if someone in London wants you to travel down from Manchester, they will pay you a premium for doing so. They'll pay for your travel, or they'll pay for your accommodation, or they'll give you an uplift, or they'll do something. So I think they're paying players. They're overpaying overpaying players who want to move home, and they're underpaying paying players who have no intention of ever moving to Newport, but they have to to get their international cash. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's just something that... Because because it's it's not backed by market, the market, as in, if there are two players, two um, teams elsewhere that want that player, 
mm. they will negotiate with that player and whoever's willing to pay five grand more or 10 grand more will get that player. Yeah. Or, or it might even be slightly, um, so they might box slightly cleverer and offer them um, fewer games or better conditioning or better house or better job for the wife or something like that. Um, obviously, some of those would be um, salary cap um Fight uh, qualifying cap. Um, yeah, they'd count as salary. So the fact that it's not um, market-backed, as in there is no negotiation, there's no competition, there is no um, broader ass- assessment by multiple parties to get to that final salary, just makes me wary of it. Because yeah. it, it's one it's one assessment, you've got one data point for that um that decision and the other problem i have with bandings imagine if marcus smith was welsh qualified right who would you pay more marcus smith or let me think of it or uh thomas young because from what i can see thomas young should fall into a higher no actually i'll go one better talupe falatau talupe falatau obviously falls into the highest bracket but would i would i want him and want to pay more for him than i would for, for marcus smith it's a good point because there's there's multiple factors in that as well because and age age is a really interesting one in this because to be a lion unless you're very lucky and time things right early on in your career generally you've got to be a little bit older yeah um and so that would over uh, like necessarily overvalue um aging players whereas there are very few lions today who are under say 24 but someone under 24 uh, has got another 10 years in their career. So yeah. they're arguably considerably more valuable than someone who's 31 but been a double lion. So you're paying people for what they have done, not for what they will do. And I think that's a small problem with the spanding system. Yeah. As yeah. for the Wales squad... Sorry, I, yes. I've got, no, 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 it's fine. No, no, no not at all. It, uh, yeah, it looks good. It looks experienced. And yeah, Wayne Pivak, I think, has identified that he really, really needs some results. Alan Wynne-Jones will be missing from some games, potentially. Ireland and Italy haven't named theirs yet. France's squad looks ace. France's squad is interesting. So it looks brilliant. There's so much talent in there. They are missing three key guys. Um, Vakatawa, injured on Friday night, still to be be determined from what I've last read. Um, Untermach is obviously missing out long-term. And then Gregory Aldrit... um, is an interesting one because he got named in the squad. Yes. He then withdrew from the squad. He then played on Friday, scored two tries for La Rochelle, um, but then announced that um, he needs, I think it's an investigation on a, it's a foot or a knee issue that mm. didn't stop him from scoring two tries, but he's got further scans and further investigation to go. So he may possibly be fit later on in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, but he's been replaced by Cameron Wokey, who's another sensationally talented young man. Not bad, is he? Uh, it's not a bad replacement, but you take those three out, Aldrit, Untermach and Vakatawa, they are three of France's best players from last season when they finished joint top. Um, they finished second on points difference, but joint top with England in the Six Nations, and they, they were a handful. Um, so th- to be missing three key guys is, is quite big. So we'll have a, a Six Nations preview next week. Yeah, with some exciting announcements too. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Uh, but just what, what, briefly, brief little interlude before we go into the next topic. Uh, can I just say, wow, 
What? To the people that got on board to support us on Patreon. Uh, unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, really was. <laughs> Humbling. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, keep signing up. That's great. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was absolutely astonished all Monday and Tuesday. I was getting little notifications on my phone every five minutes. Someone else has signed up. Someone else has signed up. So, um, yeah, if you do want to sign up, remember this. Uh, you get first refusals to the tier, uh, tier two tour. We are looking at a potential of doing some sort of prize draw so we can come to your club and do one of our podcasts at some point when things reopen. We want to, well, we basically need a bit of support because we've realised in this whole situation how much we miss seeing the whites of your eyes and getting around and going and doing live shows. And we want to do much more of that. This will help and your support will help. And so, yeah, rugby brunches is something we want to do in, yeah. in English towns, like English towns before games. English so brunches can... for English people. Isn't that right, Tim? <laughs> premiership brunches. <laughs> so come down before a premiership game. We'll find a venue. We'll, we'll have some drinks together, uh, have a little live show, and then we'll go off to a premiership game. I think we want to do loads of stuff like that. So, um, and just well, more as much as anything, a lot of people, one of the things that I found amazing is the number of people that just said, I've been wanting to find a way to say thank you for the last seven years and counting and now finally you've given me an outlet yeah. thank you that was that was probably the most common message and, and it's pretty cool right because what happens with most patrons is you say look sign up and we'll give you free free content no sorry we'll give you extra content well we did it the other way around we've been broadcasting this for how many years now seven, seven and a half seasons now seven and a half seasons but actually it's eight seasons because we gave you the eighth season accidentally free well yeah so the current episode you're listening to says season seven in front of it and that was an, a clerical error where we completely forgot we did season four twice yeah so yeah yeah so we've actually given you all your patreon content up front yeah. Now it's time to pay us back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can get into our special uh, Negroni members bar at patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. And for your contribution, you will go into a monthly prize draw for some of the shirts we're getting rid of in the rugby dungeon. Oh. And uh, first refute, well, for a- pri- priority access to live tickets when we can do that again. Albeit that the news this week, I'm still getting more, more and more depressed that live sport and live music are not going to be part of my life. Oh no, no, you can't. You, you can't. Go, well, you can go to them because you work there. I can't go to them. Mm. So you're <laughs> depressed on my behalf, I guess. No, I'm depressed anyway. It's, uh, not, it's not the same without fans. It's really not. I mean, the only the only benefit is that getting away afterwards is very quick. But <laughs> that is not enough of a. Co- do you know what? Not enough of a benefit to, to you know, justify it. Do you know why I'm more jealous? Not the fact that you get to go to games, which is great. It's the fact that you get to wear a jacket, like a blazer and a shirt, and and sh- actual shoes. That's a good point. <laughs> That's what I'm jealous of. I'd love to. Be, I'd love to have uh, somewhere to go now where I could wear a jacket. It's <laughs> a really good point. Anyway, Patreon.com forward slash Egg Chasers, and also, like, I've just finished the first beer I've drunk in a long time. It yeah, was well, it was beer. lovely. I had an Asahi tonight. Yes, lots of great Asahi. So thank you to Asahi Breweries Limited and to the guys at London Pride for. Um, well, the shipment to the rugby dungeon. Indeed. <laughs> Much appreciated. We're going to have a, a lock-in and, and wet the baby's head. And the idea is that... Maybe... After the lockdown's over. Well, no, maybe, well, maybe just when Phil's uh, no, no, newborn be, arrives. No, no because that'll be socialising. No, no, no it'd be work, strictly work. If it was strictly work. If we were doing a, a podcast, I think yeah. we do a lock-in podcast where... We get a, we get a couple of crates or get a crate and we hit record. No, and we do a podcast <laughs> until no, until no. we've finished. Well, we'll get Juan from Argentina to film it, like like, like he tried to in, in the World Cup. No, anyone who's ever 
anyone who listened to the podcast we did live from New York. Oh my god! Never, never again. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't recommend seeking it out, but if you were, I think that's that like season three. I think. Oh yeah, and, and last one. Uh, whilst we're all of this, big shout out to my friend on All Over Podcast, Doug, for giving us the picture of Phil asleep in Tokyo. Oh, we heard the story you- about Phil falling asleep in Japan in the stadium. Yeah, so if you want to hear that story, go back, go back and uh, yeah. listen to it. It was but- on the, the Q and A episode last week, and there was a story about uh, Phil falling asleep, uh, being so drunk at a game. JB sat two rows behind him, but couldn't find him. Couldn't find him. Yeah. That's how bad they were. And there's a photo of the the big screen in the stadium with Phil asleep on his chair. Your wrong zero is dangerous, dangerous gear. <laughs> Asahi's more like it though, Phil. That's a Japanese lager. That's uh, you can have a few of those without. Um, without any Definitely. concern yeah. and we, we certainly had some over some delicious uh, ramen and you two can talk about that I'm going to get some, some more beers and just like that I've got some more beers no, we couldn't do any of the podcast without you JB had to hit had to hit pause. <laughs> yeah. oh again, there's another one here for me thank you cheers oh, pl- cheers Jay pleasure <laughs> uh, right um, yeah Gustav's left this is interesting isn't it it is yeah and so it's one in one out Saracen's coaches <laughs> Alex Anderson well, yeah, went, would, sorry Guzzy you got to go mate you were just highlighting the uh, the strength and depth of Saracen's coaches elsewhere uh, only a couple of weeks ago Tim and one of them has already fallen I know now, morning I, lights I'm, I'm I'm like simultaneously shocked and totally not surprised at all yeah because I think so Gustard I, from from what I'd seen um, I don't think the he was doing. He hadn't elevated Harlequins to what they were expecting or hoping he would be able to in his two years there. Um, however, they've obviously they had big hopes for him. He's quite a big name. He'd done uh, significant roles with Saracens and England, albeit both really in a defence capacity. Um, but it seemed like they were trying to build a squad, build a legacy around him. So. Half of me is not surprised at all because the performances weren't what you expect, but half of me is because they put a lot of time and money into him. Yeah, it's a huge amount, isn't it? And maybe that's why he had to go because he could, he wasn't successful. Now I don't blame him. Did and he leave? He was. Did he leave? Mutual, or? they say. Oh, is it mutual? But who knows yeah. what that means? You don't know until you know, do you? Now he wasn't successful. I don't think it was his fault. He wasn't successful. But because he wasn't successful here, he has to go. There's nowhere to hide. And if you're on a big contract, and I'm led to believe he is on a big contract, uh, you've got to be successful. You, you can't just hang around, bring in the money. And if he had a vision, he didn't bring it, bring anyone with him. That's his problem. He tried to sell the culture of Saracens to a club which is not Saracens. And it doesn't matter how many attack helicopters or bears you bring to training or whatever he did, it just wasn't gonna, it wasn't going to work. And when I think the players weren't on board, that was a death knell, really. And I think Harlequins have got bigger cultural issues to address, yeah. not just Gustard. That's that's the really interesting bit for me, because he tried to bring the Saracens ethos, I, I think, and you're exactly right, the, the six-foot-odd um, stuffed bear that he brought. He gets to, the... he gets to see that every other weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> In the settlement. Yeah. Um, the, the attack helicopters and all the rest of it, that, that is Saracens. That's like trying to um, implant the Saracens 
blueprint onto Harlequins and a club that seemingly doesn't have that in its DNA. And as soon as I, because I was thinking exactly that when I was uh, mulling over this, um, this mutual departure. And I was thinking about Alex Sanderson because he's going to be in an interesting position where he's going to be trying to impact, well, his own blueprint, but his own blueprint that has been entirely shaped by Saracens onto the sales squad. And I think this, the sales, the squad and his predecessor have, um, will allow him to do that much more successfully than Gustard. Agreed. Well, that remains to be seen, but that is my perception at the moment. Totally. The, 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 yeah. Uh, the job that Paul Gustard had was massive. Quinns were in a pickle. They had serious issues with their um, with the makeup of their squad. And well, and the one thing you thought actually, we were all saying, it's, I think this is a great appointment because what Quinns need is a bit of steel. They need to get mm. the fundamentals sorted out. They need a solid defence. You can score as many. You can score as many amazing tries as you as you want. But if you leak thirty points a game, you're not going to beat anyone. And so I thought. I thought Gustav was going to be great for Quinns. It, it hasn't worked. I wonder if he's going to be kind of in the sort of David Moyes mould. You kind of need a a, a water break or a, a fire break or two between um, success. And they've got Connor O'Shea, John Kingston, Paul Gustav, and now who who knows what they do next? Well, let's go. Let's go back in history a little bit with Harlequins. I wonder if winning that title, that premiership, really was the worst thing that they've done. Because ever since then, that group of players have always assumed that they're good enough to repeat. And I'm not sure that they ever were. They were very good, but well, they never kicked on. Well, they've, well, you see, one of the rumours that always bobbled around at Quinns is that whoever the coach was after Conor O'Shea, John Kingston and Paul Gustard, have been hamstrung by contracts that Conor O'Shea yeah, tied up with players, and actually, you know, Conor O'Shea was successful. He built that in his own right, but who actually built that team? Dino, his team, Richards, uh. that, that brought them up from the championship. And if you want to talk about a guy, you know, this is what they need to do going forward. This is not necessarily a knock on Gustard, but the guy that they've got to bring in has either got to fit in with Quinns, or has got to be such a force of nature. Even more so than the ex-Saracens guy with multiple um, with multiple trophies, and who was also in the England setup, and it's going to have to be someone like a Dean Richards. It's going to have to be that forceful. And I don't think there's many of them around. Of course, there's Steve Diamond, but other than that, <laughs> there's just. I mean, he can't do Bath and Harlequins, can he? It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I don't know really where they go from here. The other thing is as well. I'm pretty certain that Gustard wanted younger players. And I think that rubbed uh, rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way. And also, it's the wrong way to go, isn't it? You've got to coach what you've got. What's the basis for you want. saying that? What's the evidence? I wouldn't like to go into that. <laughs> well, based on... Well, it, mm, I'm, it, I'm, try, I'm trying to look at the actual facts and try and make that fit, and I can't really. Mm. I mean, I'm not, saying yeah. it's, I'm not saying it's not right, but it doesn't match with the reality of the teams he put out on the field. Well, no, because he's got to play his best 15, right? Um, and I, you know, I did think there is no evidence for what I'm about I mean, to say. Ibitoy going and uh, Ashton coming in, didn't like that. No, no, I didn't like that one, one bit. I didn't like the way that he got rid of people like um, Visser. I mean, the year before Visser was great, and then he's just disappeared. Char- 
Charlie, what's his name, was great and then just disappeared. Charlie Walker. Charlie, Charlie Walker. Walker. Yeah, so he's had some strange personnel decisions. Oh, I don't disagree there. Uh, so, I, 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 think, I think the bigger problem is the one that you alluded to before, which is the the big, um, now old England co- contract England players. Yeah. So the, 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 the biggest three of them would be um, Robson, Kerr and Brown, who are who were incredible players, who still are good players, but they've had, other than uh, 2012, um, they've had this period where they've all been in the England squad for mm-hmm. extended periods and therefore they're not available to Harlequins for extended periods. They've all been on big money um, for throughout the whole of that period. And it's only over the last couple of years, really. Um, I mean, Mike Brown was still playing for England until 2019, I think uh, um, Robson and Kerr was something similar. It's only the last couple of years where they've stopped playing for England, but they're still on big money, but their powers are declining, that Harlequins have actually had them available. So for an extended period of time, those players, despite being incredibly talented, have not always been, they've not always been able to bring their best to Harlequins. Do you know, when you put it like that, Phil, it's a bit of a worrying story for the rest of the Premiership, isn't it? Which is, how have Harlequins done this? Well, you might say the Harlequins way is the right way. You know, young English lads who've come through their academy, spent the whole career at Harlequins. Actually, Danny Kerr hasn't. But Danny Kerr, you know, yeah, let's, let's just pretend. Let's just pretend. But he, he, he joined Quinns very young from Leeds. Yeah. Um, and then pay big players a lot, sorry, big players a lot of money to stay. When really, and they, you know, I'm only semi joking here. The teams which have done well have paid oh, South Africans big money to come. You know that, that that's been like the backbone. Whether it be Saracens, e- even Exeter, you know they've got holes in Barbary in front row. Uh, sorry, back row. Should they want one? Uh, it's I guess it's that mix of people who are available. I don't think want. I don't I think Exeter is a very different story. Actually, oh well, the the thing with Exeter, right? And here's the thing which I, which I think of is whereas Harlequins have got a handful of big contracts to the guys that they've kept. What Exeter have is loads and loads of average players on our on average money, who all fit into whatever it is that they're doing. It's a different approach altogether, you're right. They've actually, they well, Exeter did it, they moneyballed it a very different way, you're right. Saracens were the blueprint, and are the blueprint still, and Sale are following that model, and other clubs have tried to follow that model, uh, model and it is South Africans who are available 22 games a season. 24 if you get to a premiership final and mm. uh, and are really really good uh, good bang for your buck partly because of the rand partly because there's so many of them mm. um whereas Exeter have have done it a different way which is by just finding players a lot local or a lot that aren't wanted yeah. by other premiership clubs that they see value in and the other thing about harlequins is you know there tends to be a two types of players at Harlequins, isn't there? Like, the ones that absolutely love it. I mean, there are people who absolutely rave about Harlequins and the others that just don't fit in. And I think that's also, that's also a bit of a problem. Like, if you speak to someone like Ugo Monia about Harlequins, he will tell you that he loves Harlequins. Like, he deeply lo- deeply loves them. There's a lot of players that have gone through there and come out the other side and like, yeah, not for me at all. Mm. And the... the- the, I've heard players talk about the kind of cliques within the the squad and the cultural challenges that they have. Um, just just an interesting point on squad makeup. I've got in front of me the Harlequins team that won in twenty twelve that played in the final. Okay, can yeah. you remember who they played against? Leicester. Leicester. 
Correct. They won 30-23. Yeah. Um, I'll try and name of the their, Of their 23, <clears throat> of the, the Harlequins 23, yeah. how many were not English? Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I've got just, just a quick guess for each of you. I would have guessed seven, six, six. I'm going to say two. Seven, seven. I'll go seven. Two. Uh, JB is closer. It's it's only four players. Nick albeit, Evans. Albeit, uh, Nick Evans, it's, it's four, four players at the time, albeit one of the players did convert to another country, which was uh, he converted from England to Wales, a second row. Oh, um, big Ollie Cohn. Yes, Ollie Cohn. So, uh, yeah, um, at the time, JB, you were correct. Uh, now, Tim, you are correct. Um, with five, five is closer to the seven than it is to two. Uh, um, so, so, yeah, Nick Evans. Yeah. Ollie Cohn. And, uh, but Ollie Cohn was English at the time. He was, yes. He was English qualified at the time. Five, uh, you, you, the others, you'll struggle with them. No, I won't. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was. It was. I'm trying, did they have an Argentine centre? They had. No, they had an Argentine lock who was on the bench. Oh, no idea who he is. Who, uh, Thomas uh, Valjos. Uh, th- th- we could have been here all day. No chance. You, you really would have been. The other two. Um, who was their hooker? South African. No, uh, no. two English hookers. Oh, okay. oh, oh, um, Brooker. No, I've got no idea. Genuinely, no idea. No, the two hookers were. Uh, they, they played for Quinns for a while. One, I think he's still knocking around. Um, Gray, but, yeah, Joe Gray and mm. Rob Buchanan. Oh, so Joe, oh nice. Um, so the, the two other players, one's a prop and one's a back row. Both of them Samoan. Oh, oh James Johnson. James Johnson, sorry, James not Johnson. census. James. James Johnson, yeah. Johnston or Johnson. Johnston. Yeah, he was meant to be Johnston. the next big thing, wasn't he? Because census was mm. well, he was awesome. massive. He was massive. And He's thought, absolutely huge. And I thought James was going to be better than him. That was when tight head props were the most valuable player on, on the pitch. Yeah. James Johnson. Yeah. And who was the other one, Phil? Back row. Oh, um, oh, oh, I know who he yes. is. Yes, he yes is. I can picture him. Seven. Uh, f- six, 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 uh, six. Not far, Salivia. No, no, that's not what I'm thinking of. But I know exactly who he is. Is it? It's begin with F. It does. Begin yeah. With F. No. Uh, I said F. Actually, I'm going to be honest and not pretend I said S. You misheard me. I said yes. It begins I, with F. I know this only no, because. It, they... it, it, sorry, it begins with F. Oh, it does Fox begin trot. with F. Oh, good. Yeah, good. It is who I'm thinking of then. Oh, oh, f- uh, Fanalo, fan, not Fanalo. F- um, Oh. I only know this because there's a highlight of him the other day and he was battering someone. Yeah, a big, hard-hitting number six. Big, big strong boy, six foot three, 18 stone. Go on. Far, so I'm going to pronounce this badly, but Far Asavalu. Oh, when I said Far Asalivia, I wasn't that far off them. Yeah, yes. except that's a different player. So you but, were but Different player, yeah, but, different you know. player yeah. but besides, besides that... The whole of the rest, besides those three, uh, the whole of the rest of the squad were English. Jordan Turner Hall, Ugo, Ugo, Mike Brown, Saki. and Tom Williams. Saki not in there. Yeah, Tom Williams. Good knowledge. And then the pack, I'm, I'm less clear on other than Marla. Obviously, you said yeah. the hookers now, Ollie Cohn. I don't know who the other second row would have been. No, played, played for Quinns for a long time. 
the other second row. Oh, um, bald fella, Robson. Yes. Oh, George Robson. Yeah, George Robson. Chris Robshaw. Oh, come on. We'll, we'll and get... Nick Evans. Nick, East, Nick, Easter. Nick Easter, sorry. Nick Easter. Nick Easter, yeah. There you go. Nailed it. That's it. And Danny Kerr. Yeah. There you go. And then on the bench, uh, a few guys who played for England as well. So Rob Buchanan, Mark Lambert, Will Collier, Tom Guess, Carl Dixon, Rory Clegg, Matt Hopper. Matt Hopper? What have happened to him? Good question. Did he go to France? Yeah. Interesting. He I, did. I, I think he it went was... to Oyana. Yeah, I think this was Joe Ford's second game or something ridiculous. George Ford, sorry. George Ford played this game. Because Toby, Toby Flood was injured. I, I remember I remember watching it. We, I watched it with you, Phil, in the pub across the road from my house. Oh, uh, yeah. Because it's... Uh, um, it was, what well, was it? yeah. It was, it was the weekend of my birthday, as, right. as Premiership final tends to be. Yeah, uh, that was before we were all prisoners. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> good times. Good times. Uh, yeah, so that was Harlequins. Uh, there's been some transfer rumours and also some rugby. I've watched some rugby. Can we talk about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, fill us in. Now, I, so I don't like your attitude, Tim. I'm going to level with you. I don't like your attitude. Yeah, my, my attitude <laughs> isn't. I just don't have Premier Sport, and it's not. It's not financially viable for me to. It to, is financially viable it. for you. It's well, it's tight. financially viable. I could afford it. I just don't. <laughs> it's not. I, I don't. I don't calculate it as worth worth my money. Can I tell you this? I completely agree with you. I agree with you. Ninety nine point nine percent. But this game was awesome. Like genuinely. <laughs> it had the speed of Super Rugby. Leinster uh, Munster, are we talking? Leinster Munster, I watched. Uh, I watched some others as well. We won't talk about them because they're not worth it. But this one was. So Leinster, Leinster Munster had the speed. 11 10. Yeah. Uh, no. 13 10 or 13. 10 13. Yes, 10 13. Yes. Uh, speed of Super Rugby, physicality of the Premiership. And it had this sort of predictability about how they were going to play, which doesn't sound very attractive on the face of it. But what it meant is, because you were looking at two teams which are almost a mirror image of each other, and I'm sure Irish rugby fans go, no, no, there's a lot more nuance to it than that. That's not really. Uh, because they, they knew each other so well. They knew what each other were going to do, and they just hammered each other all day long. I mean, it was absolutely brutal. Uh, Munster, it was so cool for them, because they should have won this. And JJ Hanrahan... I don't know if that is the end of his Munster career or what. I don't know what what, what happens to him next. I think if you if you're known as JJ now, you're out. You're out. Bo- you're, you're you're just done. Yeah, he played well. He played really well, except for two missed kicks. So the clock is in the red. He goes to kick. Now, if he kicks this, Munster extend their lead. They're currently up, and Munster would extend the lead. He missed the kick. The clock is in, in, in the red just before the half. Leinster retain the ball, work their way all the way back up into the Munster half. And then kick three, and that is basically the so difference. It, it would have been they would have gone in with a ten point lead at halftime. It would have been thirteen three yeah. had he slotted that, and it ended up being ten six. So a four and, point swing, so and ten. then he misses another one, which is a simple kick for a, a player of his oh, quality. So yes, a six point swing is it not? Six points, yeah, a six point swing, yeah. Plus he missed those three, so you know he's. Responsible yeah, the, for a difference of nine, really. Well, the, the, well, yeah, the you, earlier you, kick. Sorry, I'm just going to say the earlier kick was tough. The one just at half time. That was a long way out. And it was, a, it. and it was a whole. You, you're right. Well, by the, the report I read, that he didn't have his kicking boots, and that made a difference. But even if he missed a tough kick, 15 players then let the opposition get 
into yes. the other half and conced- oh, yeah. conceded a penalty. But I just wonder, you know, he's an older yeah. bloke now. Munster have got a young lad coming through who came on later. I don't remember his name, and I wonder if they just say, "Look, we want to give this guy more more game time now." We, we, oh, oh, Ben Ben Ben, ben Healy. Healy, yeah, and he does not yeah. look. Ben Healy does not look like a professional rugby player. Uh, let me just say he's, right now. He's rangy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's one word. G- for him, yeah. Gangly. I yeah. love the scrum half, the young scrum half they've got, who probably came off the bench in this game. I don't know, I haven't seen it. But they, there's Healy and the nine that normally comes on with him. I love the scrum half. Little, diminutive, rapid. Yeah, they've got some great players there. I mean, this should be the advert for the for the Pro 14. If they could, I mean, they can't do this every week. I'll tell you why. People would break. By the time it got to <laughs> half time, I was like, I can't believe there's not a single injury in here just from attrition alone and the really interesting part about this game was there was like three factors there's attack and defense and who can keep up this intensity for the longest and generally speaking the attack was getting more tired than the the defense but the attack was constantly making small amounts amounts of yards so you're watching this thinking are the attack going to run out of steam before they score the try and it just was the same all the time they'd go and they'd go and go multiple phases they'd get near to the try line Turnover, run out of steam, and then it go back the other way. It was absolutely brilliant. I, I couldn't. Re- Ty, God, Ty, Ty Byrne got a couple of oh my amazing, amazing turnovers yeah. on on his own line, where he was contorted into what for a man who's what six five six six to get so low and so stable, and then have two three players smash him, and he comes up with the ball. Just incredible. He's a baller. He is completely. He is. He's key to their lineup. The lineup will. will uh, was well, it was interesting. I've always enjoyed Munster's lineouts. I think they're very inventive as a club when it comes to lineouts. But they were thoroughly disrupted by uh, by Munster, who again because they knew sorry Leinster because they knew what was coming. You know, they just knew what was mm. coming. It was a fascinating game. Mm. Yeah, an advert for the Pro Fourteen. Yeah. yeah, and I think you know if Pro Fourteen could. I don't think Pro 14 want many of these matches. And I wonder if Pro 14, you know, he speaks to a lot of fans and they say, wouldn't it be great for an English and Irish league or a British league or whatever the hell it is? And the answer is, you think it's going to be ace. But I wonder if your unions aren't interested because ultimately those teams are there to serve the national team. And they could not put out a performance like this every week. You look at the Welsh teams out against, uh, sorry, for the Blues-Clanethley match, Blues-Scarlets match. Both good teams, but that is the very best that they can do. And they can't do that every week. Ospreys won today. The Ospreys game apparently was an absolute belter. I mean, yeah, Os- and Ospreys doing good things under Toby Booth. Because to go to go to Connacht and win, that is no mean feat. Yeah. I, I mean, I upset some Welsh people uh, a few weeks back, um, but I actually stand by my comments. That, Uh-oh. That, 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 no, 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 that, that Wales need to do better at, and, they, and they've put measures in place to try and do better at developing their youngsters so they don't need to go to places like Hartbury um, and be developed by English clubs. But or, or like, or, No, Hartbury's great, great. But like, so Lewis Rees-Samit, you, you will get, so for every Lewis Rees-Samit and Josh Adams who either go to school in England or or get ditched from a region and then go and actually yeah. find their way at, at an English club, for every one of them, you will also get multiple Hang of them happening in Wales That's as well. almost like saying, look, uh, 
if you've got the talent, stay in the UK. No. And stay in the UK and develop your American football skills. Don't go to Oregon. No, no, no. Yeah, it, it, no, it's not a saying. It's not a zero sum game. It's not. It's not an either or. If I was, it's a. It's a both. It's that can that that can happen in Wales as well. But it ha- how? My point being is, it hasn't happened in Wales. You, but, you you can't get Saracens in Wales. You can't get living in London or living no, in Bath or no, living in. But Manchester you can get it. You can get it so that when someone with the talent of Josh Adams comes through that that gets identified and cultivated. Oh yeah, rather than Don't rather than yeah. overlooked. Yeah, so so so, so a... anyway, my point being, I was saying measures have been put in place, but in the same way as there's a in the meantime before the quality is there and the systems are there, there's a stopgap, and so Wales have relied on England to do a little little bit of the incubating of their players for them. And Thomas Francis and various and and uh, Nick Tompkins, yeah. Um, for example, the same goes with coaches and Toby Booth and um, I know who you're thinking of, and I can't remember his name. Now. Anyway, Toby Booth is, is a great example of someone, but also Glenn Delaney, Glenn Delaney from yeah. from New Zealand. But co- he's been a coach in England, effectively. Anyway, Look, but I, so I so think... I hope long term Wales can can use their own regions to cultivate their own talent. Look, no, I don't. And I think you're simultaneously wrong and right. Okay, so Wales need to do better with Josh Adams, don't they? But there again, you don't know what a player's going to be until they are the thing. Look at pa- pa- Paolo Adogu. Would you rather sign Morland Yard or keep Adogu? I mean, it's clear as day what they should have done, but what do they do? And that's because you don't know what a player will be until they are that player. So I kind of understand why the Welsh would make uh, mistakes. On the other hand, if I was Welsh, I mean, a few years ago, I think five English ten shirts. You are Welsh. Sorry, yeah, that's a good point. I am. <laughs> if I was South Walian, um, I would be happy seeing five Welsh fly halves playing in English shirts because that's like what an English player who's not playing, and that's really, really good. And that's really, really good, good, good for us. They need a more pragmatic view. And the problem is they're trying to save this dying husk of a club game which I've got there with these regions which don't have the strength, don't have the depth. They probably they might have they might have the money, but it isn't sustainable. What is sustainable is allowing all these players to go and populate the English teams, getting in you know, championship winning teams in the case of people like Reese Carey and Liam Williams and Tom Tomkins and Francis, you know, Dolman nearly made made the side. You need to be more proud. No, it's not you're, you're misunderstanding against my point. the market forces. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not. I, I actually yeah. agree with your your, uh, uh, your point, which is, you know, look after the players that you've got. Well, no, no, it's just have. it's just how many other potential Josh Adamses were at Scarlets and were overlooked and let go who didn't find their way to a, a setup like Worcester that could cultivate the potential that they had. Well, how many just gave up? Well, exactly. That's yeah. that's kind of my point. So the one thing you can do, even when money is scarce. I agree, and even if those players end up going off to England, the one thing you can do is get good identification of talent and good coaching so that you, as few people fall through the gaps as possible, especially with a nation with the three million people. Yeah, I call it the, the cuckoo strategy, which is send all of your tens to all the English clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, it the, the, um, the size of the country is interesting as well because... It seems like Wales are trying to replicate um, something that's been incredibly successful for a similar-sized country in New Zealand. Correct. Um, as in New Zealand have all of their players playing within their country. They don't allow anyone to play anywhere else. 
However, there, there's one big fundamental difference um, between Wales and New Zealand in geographical location of where those of the alternative places that those players could play. Because anyone from New Zealand, they're not going to play in Australia, which is the only geographical place where you could be on the doorstep. They're going to play in well, either Japan, France, or in the UK and Ireland. Yeah. And that does not work to for players who are going to come home for a weekend to play in New Zealand and then go back to Toulouse or Toulon or Bath or uh, Leinster or anywhere else. The, the, um, uh, in Wales, they yeah. don't have that problem. No, they don't. Um, and if for, the players playing in Europe, it's it doesn't matter. It's an hour flight. Exactly. Kind of no matter where you and, are. And that's why I actually it's, agree. It's I actually agree fine. with JB. The cuckoo strategy would be it would that would be an official. Page one of the WRU yeah. handbook. Be very, very. We're going to make those. We're going to make those English clubs pay, or the English RFU and the English people pay as much money towards exactly. our national team as possible. Yes, and um, develop them, and yeah, train them up, and get them in European situations, get them exposure to the big games. Just, just one other issue: difference between Wales and New Zealand. The New Zealand brand. Is sort of universal. I mean, you would never, you wouldn't think twice, would you, as an Englishman or a Welshman or a, Scots, or a Scotsman or anyone actually in the Northern Hemisphere of wearing an all black shirt. It's a really cool piece of kit. You'd wear their shorts. You'd wear their. You'd, you'd wear all their merchandise. Which of you two would wear a a, like a Wales hoodie? <laughs> Do you know, like it's a different brand. It's worth a billion quid by some estimates. And therefore, they've got more financial clout from their union to try and keep keep these players. I'm not entirely sure the WRU would be valued at a billion quid. Do you reckon? <laughs> but equally, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And but and and so yes, and New Zealand is a country where their coaching and their talent ID is supreme, which is why that for a nation of three million people, mm. they find so many. Incredible players. Yeah. And they develop so many incredible players. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, there's some transfers. Do you want to talk? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Talk about them. Yeah, what's going on? What are the rumours? Freddie Burns back to... So this was from the Daily Mail, I believe. Freddie Burns going back to Leicester. Okay. It's interesting though, isn't it? Why? Yeah, Why? Why? Well, I guess Freddie Burns was... Short term? Uh, well, it'd be for the 2021 season. So that's the first thing. Telford were to be leaving. Now, the Freddie Burns is interesting because, of course, they'll finally have a fly half. They've got the Zach Henry and Benia they got in. 
Uh, yep, but if they get Freddie Burns in, that'll be the last fly half that took him to a playoff. So I'd, I'd go with him. At least they know that he can be successful in, mm, in a Leicester shirt. That feels a little... With Zach Henry, he's shown a lot of promise. And this uh, Bonilla, the, the Argentinian... He's, I forgot he, about him, but you're right, yeah. He's quite a young a... guy. I, it, 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 has the fee- it has the potential feeling of, let's bring in Polotta now and let Harry Thacker go. Yes. Yeah. That's an interesting way to look at that, Tim. I never really thought of that. Um, so uh, who's the guy I just met, mentioned? Jordan. Talfua. Talfua. Fewer is got apparently off to Leon. I think that was in the Daily Mail this week as well. Um, I think it was. If it wasn't, well, there you go. You'll have to deal with that. Uh, that's interesting because I like him. I think he's one of their best back row. I, I think he, I think he's absolutely quality. Um, I do like the two South Africans they've brought in, Visa and Liebenberg. But you you can't build a back row on on just two players. No, you need some depth, and he's he's a very good player, and he's exceptional off the bench. He, he's like the ultimate um, mm. finisher, game changer, whatever you want to, whatever stupid name you want to come up to rename your bench. He's quality as, as that player, yeah. and he's also he's quality as a starter as well. Uh, and the Chris Ashton rumour to Worcester just won't die. That was in the papers again. Now I don't know if people are just repeating what they heard on this podcast, which is. Uh, <laughs> You know, a bit of rumour that I found on the fans forum or whatever it was. Well, a a journalist. Well, this is how journalism works in 2021. So, you mentioned that you that you'd heard that Chris Ashton might be going to Worcester. (laughs) So, the a journalist from a local newspaper in Worcester phoned Worcester. Yeah, no, 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 didn't phone Worcester and ask for a comment. Contacted uh, us. I'm sure he did. And said, uh, well, maybe. Contacted us and said, um, "What what do, you, "What do you know about that?" And to, to which I replied, "You'll have to get in touch with JB. It was his. Uh, I have no knowledge of it whatsoever." Well, before before I'd even finished writing it, there was an article on the Worcester <laughs> on the Worcester local rag going. Apparently, Chris Ashton is uh, moving to Worcester, so you can. And this is how some of these sometimes this is how these things start. Something that's absolute BS. It's not BS, is it? No, no, no. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it is. It's true. No, no. But, but my point being is, we could say something that's complete BS. No, no. Don't right say now. It, Tim, and it would, stop it. Stop and it, it would be in a newspaper tomorrow. No, stop it. Because what if we engineered the Chris Ashton move and we didn't realise it? So what? Well, it, you know, it comes true. It's, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's, it's developed a momentum all all on its own. Oh, in that case, uh, I've just heard a, a rumor that the uh, no, no, stop. Think about it. Don't don't just waste this opportunity. The British and Irish Lions <laughs> have decided. Uh, I've, ju- I've I've heard this is this is gonna this is gonna be announced. The British and Irish Lions have said under no circumstances will they do a UK and Ireland series of games is that what you're hearing summer that's what i'm hearing yeah Yeah. that's what i'm hearing from a source so if i was you tim i would we need to call this down next week come back with a rumor that we'd like to happen like a player movement that we'd like to just see if we can get see if we can get the momentum behind it all right that's the that's the idea i I don't know who i'd look who would you want why don't don't follow a team so who do you want alex anderson to sign for your beloved (sighs) side jb would i want alex anderson oh by the way initial reports on alex anderson excellent Absolutely excellent. Oh, did, did you did you see his um, that little one minute speech that Cell uh, Sharks <laughs> put up on Twitter? What did you think of Which, it? Well, the only thing that I can remember from it was Malbec Sundays, what? as in 
He says he's not uh, he's not 100% rugby all the time. He likes to enjoy his Malbec Sundays. Ah. As in, like, as in like <laughs> drinking, yes. drink, drinking Malbec all day on Sunday, which sounds amazing. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does sound pretty good. Unless that was code for there's an Argentinian coming in. Malbec. <laughs> this Sunday there's going to be a big announcement. Oh, no, no. And he's a strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> Welcome to Malbec Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sound of Malbec Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I could get on board with that. I've got to say, I did notice the bit where he said, I'm not rugby all the time. I didn't notice the Malbec Sunday thing, but that's a bit that stood in my mind. I just thought, you can say anything you want to a backdrop of in, of inspirational music, and it sounds inspirational, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have Malbec Sundays! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> we'll all go home early! But you're right. Uh, about we'll think about that. We will next week on next week's podcast. We will have a completely fabricated, scurrilous player movement rumor that we will not say next week. Yeah, we'll yeah. mix it with a real rumor. We'll mix it in with the real rumors and see if we can make it happen. Yeah, excellent. So, well, particularly because we know that the quality of journalism in the UK right now is horrendous. Uh, Phil, filter rugby pod is what I've heard. <laughs> I've, heard I've heard this as well. They couldn't afford me. Could they not? They need a third wheel. Phil. Uh, right, where was I? Oh, we've got a shirt skin boy. Is there, is, is there anything else? Uh, it's, well, just so, um, I just thought it was quite interesting that Willie John McBride. Oh, yes. The most, is he the most capped British no, Irish the, lion ever? The, the most historically important, there. Yeah, he's one of the most yeah, important characters. Amazing. He, he, he branded the idea of a UK and Ireland Lions tour this summer as, I'm just trying to get the word he exactly used, basically a disgrace, I think he, he might have actually called it. I'm trying to open the rugby paper now to see, but it's not. It's not opening. So anyway, Willie John McBride completely against it, but he seems to think that it, that is what is hap- that is what's going to happen. Okay, so there was another story as well this week, wasn't there, which was... Uh, the four national captains have got on, the, on a Zoom call with the powers that be to express that they really want this to happen, which I get completely, by the way. I understand if you're a player, it only happens every, once every, every four years. I don't know if that's going to sway any decisions, and it's not really a shock to me that the players want it to happen. No. Well, Willie John McBride, by the way, said it's a total farce. And, much, and, and along the lines of what I said, his main point is... It's a farce, a total farce. They've lost the concept of the Lions and what they're about. Blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, such a move could hasten the demise of the world's most famous touring team. I don't buy that at all. But I don't he, buy that at all. But you can... I don't buy the second point, but yeah. I, I completely agree with the first point. The thing is, I, like, I just don't like it. How do you get around it? I know we spoke about this at length a few weeks ago, but how do you get around it? He said, "Cancel it if you can't." He said, "Cancel it, Post, postpone it. Hopefully, if you, Post, ho- hopefully you can do it, it next year. Months. Yeah, hopefully you can do it next year. But if you can't, they're not doing it next year. You don't do they're it. They're not doing it next year because you've got to remember the Lions is owned by the unions. The unions will have their own World Cup prep to be getting on with. That will take precedent over over Lions easily. So Lions is played. Twenty twenty two is still." 12, 15 months yeah, ahead of a World Cup. But you know That's... what these international setups are like. They want their 12 months. They want to be building. You know, it's all about World Cup and then it's all about Lions. You can't have the two colliding. I don't think so, uh, at least. I, I I think you can 15 months out from a World Cup. You I couldn't do it in so. the you couldn't do it in the June of a September World Cup. I, I think that's that's definitely possible. That is by far my most preferred option. So the only problem is with this, 
Because well, by the way, there were, uh, by the way things are going, there won't be crowds this summer. No, just thinking well, about it though, right? The Lions tour other places. So Willie, Mitch, Willie John McBride said, "Look, this is a farce. You've lost the idea of the Lions. I mean, let's uh, let's not get into the fact that maybe the idea of the Lions has been lost already, to a, lo- a large degree." But the Lions cannot tour the UK, can they? It's th- it's three one-off tests. Yeah, Why don't we get? They can go to Longleat. <laughs> go to Nosley Safari Park. Yeah. <laughs> I, do you know? I would be up for genuinely having the Springboks tour the UK. Mm. Think about that. Why, well, why not? Well, but yeah, Sale, Gloucester, Edinburgh. Why? Broadly speaking, they do that every November or not, two. Not with midweek games. No, not with midweek games. Yeah, I just, they, what, they, often, they occasionally do one midweek game. They did play Leicester a few years ago. They might play Saracens this year. I think, honestly, if you just... if It's not the... This is one of the few times when you can't wag your fingers at the people at people at top and say, "Look, this is your fault." No, of course. Um, they've been dealt, uh, you know, dealt the cards that they have, and I do think that South Africa on an actual reversing the Lions tour, so you have to play the Lions at the end of it, would be really quite cool. Uh, particularly if they had to, if they had to play their midweek games, and particularly if they had to play it in the normal slots that we like, like mornings and whatnot. But it, but I, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be absolutely great. <laughs> um, I could get on board with that as a, a weird one-off just to increase revenue of both South Africa, South African rugby and UK rugby, UK and Ireland or Britain and Ireland rugby. No one's um, going to be at these games. I don't want that to replace the tour. The, I, I still want the tour in 2022. I Look, I want the tour in... Hang on. No, I don't want the tour in 2022. Um, I just... You know, I. I just think it's too too close. Do it this do it this year, because those players who are going to be selected might not be informed next year, or there might be something. At least they get something now, which is important for a lot of guys. And if you can make the most most out of it, it'd be quality. I mean, you could get like a combined championship team, and they could play Saracens, a full strength Saracens. That's almost a, a test match in itself. Well, they're, know, they're not so, going to do that. What they are going to do is fly all of the South African sides over to the UK for midweek games. Ugh. Yeah, Ugh. that's what it looks like is going to happen. Well, that's that. That's not quite so good, is it? And it makes no sense, and it's more expensive. So this is one, you... of, one of those times, isn't it, when a quick phone call to us, just you know, little five minutes on uh, on the phone with um, you, me, or Phil, would have sorted this whole thing out. Well, I've, I've sorted it out by saying next, just do it next year and make it work. Yeah. Again, I know I've spoke about the sponsorship deals. They are the biggest. Uh, hurdle to overcome here because the whole thing is about everything is figure outable with cash. If everything meant- is figure outable. Well, it, it, the, the only people making any cash, if you try and unwind those sponsorship deals, the only people who are going to be of benefit to that are the lawyers who will be untangling all of the the contracts. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, and, and giving us clubs. no guarantees of, on how it will work out. Yeah, everyone else is getting poorer in that situation, apart from the lawyers. Yeah. Uh, um, just just on South Africa, it cannot happen at the moment because currently there is a full stop alcohol ban in South Africa. What? You There's an alcohol be, ban. Yeah. Yes, a to- total alcohol now, ban. God, you're, you're almost almost making me feel no. Well, lucky. I, I'm, I am I am grateful to be from the UK. This is one of the best countries in the world, the freest and most tolerant and liberal. So for lots of reasons, I'm very grateful. To, to be a British citizen 
but uh, it, I've been quite frustrated lately. That that's that's a, it's not that's not making me feel better. I just feel so, more sorry for the people in South Africa. Yeah, there are many things I want to say yeah. about that, but I'm going to say none of them. So there you go. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see what <laughs> happens with the Lions. Um, can we can we talk? There's, there's two bits of things we just mentioned, not explicitly, but just touched on a, a COVID related thing. There's two two bits of COVID news this week. Oh. Um, one one good and one bad. Um, and the, the good is good is maybe the wrong word to describe it, but the bad is um, Farley House being totally closed. All of the players sent home. Uh, a significant number of players um, isolated. Ninety Bath were told they had nineteen positive tests, um, and. It turns out two days later they got uh, a note from Randox, I think it is the it is. Uh, laboratory that does the testing for PRL, and they, Bath only had one uh, positive test, not 19. In fact, out of 969 tested players across the whole of Premiership Rugby, only two of them, two out of 969 tested positive. Um, but the, the first round of testing... Um, the A sample test, for want of a better word, had significant faults in it, which led to some significant consequences being taken, uh, decisions taken by some of the clubs, Baths particularly. Mm. Yeah, not that good. is the bad news. Not good. The good news. Did you see uh, Simon Orange's little? Um, I knew explanation? I had something else to say. Yes, yes, I did see it, and I actually uh, got in contact with him, saying this is exactly, exactly. How you should communicate? Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't. Yeah. So Simon Orange, CEO of uh, Sale Sharks, of a lot of things. Well, yeah, of a lot of things, including <laughs> Sale Sharks. No, he's owner of Sale Sharks. Owner of Sale Sharks. I beg your pardon. He put out a a little statement via the club's website explaining why the last this weekend and last weekend had no Premiership games and why. No, that was basically it. That, that, yeah. that was the main well, thrust. Yeah, it was two. It was the points in the games, right? Oh, yeah. The, the the reason that the points were arranged how they were and are and why the last two weeks. And what he said was not groundbreaking. It wasn't... It wasn't... It was like, if I could have guessed, okay, so a, an owner of a premiership club is going to explain what happened, I would go, the clubs all agreed the points before the season started. I knew that. And the reason that they haven't done this last two weeks is because either because some clubs didn't want to, or because actually, with the situation as it is with uh, the spread of the virus, maybe it's counterintuitive. And seeing as we're doing the points, there's no need to anyway. Yeah. So there's two things here which I really like. I love the fact that it's honest, straightforward communication. It's here mm-hmm. is the situation. Now, we did a podcast, and between the three of us, we spent a good ten minutes talking about. You know, average points, this, that, and the other. And we were left guessing. We were genuinely left guessing. Like, why on earth have they done this? It makes no sense to us three. Well, but he didn't explain why they chose yes. four and two. Yes, he did. Yeah, I know, but that doesn't... Yeah, but that's... He said... It, well, he well said no, because no, what, what, what he said is five and zero wouldn't have been right. No, no, what he said is he wanted a no-blame culture. So, that, yeah. because, because Sale, you've got to remember, Sale were on the losing end of this. So Sale only needed a few points, a handful of points against Worcester, and they were in the playoffs. That could have been, uh, you know decidedly um, history-changing for sale. So they know what it was like to be on the other the other side of it. So, it, you know, in fairness to Simon and everyone in, in, in sale, they're like, look, we, we've done this. It was not our fault. You said it was. It's not our fault. Now you can build off our experience. And you, we're telling you now, 
if it's no one's fault, maybe you should have, have the two well, points. The, no. only, the only criticism we gave last week was that... Is it right? It, it took Phil five minutes yeah. to work out that you'd inflated the number of Premiership points by twenty percent. Exactly. So, is it right? Yeah, or, the distorted league table. Is it right or is it wrong? We can have that debate, but at least it's understandable now, and I think that's the difference. Yeah. We had the logic in it, and and his logical explanation of why um, the decision was not taken to move games forward was was really good as well. It was really clear, clearly yeah. communicated, and made sense. And the two main points were. Transmission seems to be at a peak at the moment. Yep. Um, so there's no point moving games forward to that period of time. And probably more more importantly for the clubs, um, particularly when you consider two out of 969 positive tests last week. But um, there, are, there would be no fans in stadiums right now if those games are played March, April time when they're intended to be. There is a possibility, at least a possibility of fans. It, it, it may not happen, but there's no point moving games forward from a time when you might have fans to a time when you definitely won't have fans. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I agree with that. I mean, uh, and it also does help help sail a little bit, no doubt about it. But I do agree with that principle. And again, it's not about being wrong or right. It's about being understandable. There are other teams, it, do, it, it doesn't suit, but that fan part is actually understandable. And how fan- good if that had, if a statement like that had come out from whoever, uh, but, you know, someone central premier rugby let's say at <laughs> premiership, premiership rugby before or at the same time as the announcements are made they make me absolutely furious pre- pre- premiership rugby if you just followed the announcements from premiership rugby you would be you'd be struggling to kind of guess what it is that premiership rugby does you, you would definitely wouldn't assume it was a bloody rugby account like it, it just it, it promotes all the wrong things and promotes none of the right things and they don't explain anything about the competition, where it's going, you know the fact that the fact that us three who watch a lot of rugby on a relatively key—I mean, God, you, like you are literally responsible for communicating rugby to the rest of the nation, Tim. And <laughs> we had no idea why these points were two and four. Nobody had ever bothered to tell us why it is two and four. And then an owner of a club comes up and says, "Well, it's two and four because we think it should be no blame culture." There, boom. Now we can debate that. That yeah. might be wrong, but yeah, at least yeah. we know now. Yeah, yeah. At least you can see a logic to it. It's unbelievable, actually. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so yeah, that, that's the COVID news this week. We have some games next weekend, which is a welcome relief. Oh, by the way, so next week we will have a Six Nations podcast, and we have a special uh, Six Nations prediction league that we're, we're going to want to get you in in on. So uh, make sure you're listening uh, to next week's podcast. Mm. Do you want to do the shirt giveaway now, or do you want to uh, do the games? What do you mean, do the shirt giveaway? Well, we've got uh, the good shirt or the bad shirt. So we'll just flick through our Patreon list and then pick... No, some. not now. No, 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 oh, no. When do we do it? No, it's a monthly giveaway, mate. No, it's a monthly giveaway. Sorry. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Go on. Otherwise, we'll be out of shirts in about... In, in six well, weeks. Well, in, in, in seven couple, years. In, in seven years, we'll have seven <laughs> more shirts It's left. fine. It's fine. <laughs> we've, we've picked the jerseys that we're giving away for the first giveaway. Oh, fine. Uh, and that'll be... Well, either be a, an amazing shirt in, in that British and Irish Lions one or... A dreadful shirt in that Newport Gwent Dragons one. Yeah, and I've maybe got, both. And I've got a load of other things to give away. Actual things that you can drink too, right. which we'll talk about next week. Yes, but uh, oh, and in fact, you'll get the first information on that if you are on our Patreon dot com slash Egg Chasers. Thank you very much for your support. But in terms of the games next weekend, what a game Friday night! Yeah, is this Bristol Bath or is this Sale game? Sale Celeste. Bristol Bath. 
well, okay, well, that's not quite as good. But, uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously Callum Sheedy is not in the lineup because he'll be with Wales. So does Ewan Lloyd get to play 10 for Bristol? And yes, that's he does. really exciting. Mm. See if he's actually as good as everyone says. I suspect he might be. It'd be interesting because I've, I've seen him play wing and fullback. Uh, I think I've probably seen him off the bench maybe a bit last season at 10, but yeah. not a lot. So there's and, two players mm. that make me think of this young man now. One is Henry Slade and the other one is Sean Wright Phillips. So Sean Wright <laughs> Phillips, if you, if you remember back in the day, like they played him at left back or right back, didn't they? Just to get him in the side. It wasn't his best position. And then he ended up being a left back or right back, full back, whatever it was. Winger. Yeah, but he's a winger. So why did he just not play wing? That would be much, much easier. Uh, and the same with Slade. Like, Slade was meant to be a 10, was was he not? He wanted to be a 10. And then he was a fullback, and he played on the wing once, he's played at 12, he's played at 13, and it's debatable. I mean, I think he's set on 13 now. Now, Lloyd playing 10, 15, um, uh, 11, 14, whatever it may, may be, rather than doing that with him, they need to treat him a bit more like Marcus Smith. Just, you are the 10. Go and enjoy playing 10, and, you know, come what may, we'll, we'll see. And Max Malins is now in the England squad. Now it appears that his position is 15. Yeah. Well, Ali Crossdale's another one from Saracens. He is a 10. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, don't want to be there. Mm. Don't want to be there, no matter how talented <clears throat> you are. Yeah, because there's, there's benefits to it early in your career, but then later in your career, it's nice to have the strings of your bow, but you need to know what your best position is. And Ooh. not not only you need to know, the coaches need to know what your best position but is. But then Bodie, need to know. Bodie, you know, they've been slotting him in at 15. Now, sorry, can I just ask one last question? A generic question, and then you can we can you know talk about how Bath aren't going to win another game. Um, <laughs> I can't remember why I was thinking this. I was listening to a podcast, and someone was talking... Paolo Adogwu, for his eighth mention today. So Paolo Adogwu is very, very good at certain things, right? He's a very, very powerful bloke, very explosive. And I was listening to a podcast, and the central tenet of the podcast was uh, trade and also specialisation, how, how people get richer, how things get done better, trade and specialisation, basically free exchange and so forth. And I thought, what is the future for the highest level of rugby? Is it the idea that all props should be able to kick? Or is it the idea that people should be super specialised and be able to do one thing really, really well? Where do you think where do you think that, that this is going? Or do you think it's a cycle? So we have generalists followed by specialists followed by generalists. I I don't th- what so my, my uh, Phil I'm sure will have a thought on this because this is right up in, right in his wheelhouse. So I'll be very brief. I'll just say I don't think it's a trend or a thing. I would I would I would imagine it's more a culture that you step into. So I would imagine somewhere like New Zealand, and it feels like this is happening more in England than it used to. Uh, the positives, whatever that is, is being celebrated rather than trying to build up the weaknesses, maybe at the expense of the strength, and, and which might pull the strength down slightly. So I think if your strengths are so good to outweigh your weaknesses, Christian Wade would be a great example. I think now, if Christian Wade was doing what he was doing five, six years ago, I think he'd have a good chance of being... 50 cap England international oh, now, yeah, but five six years ago he wasn't. Well, Christian Wade 
strikes me very much like Cheslin Colby. Maybe as exactly. a bit more better. Exactly. So there you go. So, so I, I don't think I really answered your question. But so, I, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that specialists, when the specialists are so good, like Christian Wade, that you can't ignore it. Anyway, Phil. So yeah, my, my thought on this would be you are going to get more specialisation. However, uh, and, and that, that means specialisation at the, the highest level. Um, yes. Because each position is is increasingly difficult and becoming increasingly you have increasingly specialized skills however i think on the route to get into the top level uh having more generalization is much better because while people are going to be more specialized and you're not going to have a scrum half who can also um play hooker or second row or winger that that is just not going to happen anymore but you're going to have to have more range within your ability so that, for example, if Alfie Barbieri or Dane Coles or Jamie George finds themselves in the 13 channel, which actually all those those players frequently do, Mm -hmm. they don't look out of place in either attack or defense and they have the skill set and ability to do a kind of 80% of the things that a quality 13 can do, 80% as well of them. So I think that's where it's the positions will become more specialized, but you're you're going to have to have greater range in your skill set so you can do an adequate job anywhere, like a higher but baseline. Not, but, yeah, but you're not. You won't be. This doesn't mean that Jamie George or Barbieri or Dane Coles are going to start at thirteen, but they have the range within their capabilities to play in that position. Yeah, like your minimum standard has got to be ninety-eight percent lineout accuracy. And then the floor of all of your other skills has got to gen- has got to gently rise up. Yeah, and we've seen that with the England squad. Like you, you look at the England squad, um, well, ten years ago, definitely, even six years ago under Lancaster, uh, and the handling skills of say the props was very very limited. And now you look at well, if you've got a front row of say Mako, Jamie George, and, and Sinks. The handling skills are excellent. They can all go in and play first receiver. And as first receiver, they can fix men because they're ball carriers, but they can also create space outside them. Mm. And that's that's what I mean by the, the range of those players. The skill set has got to be good yeah, all, all round. And you've got to have wingers or centres who can be jackling the ball. Well, jackling so like, is really interesting, right? Because jackling was purely the territory of sevens. And then everyone learned to learn to jackal. So that, in a way, is the opposite, isn't it? That was a specialism which then spread. Yeah, but that, that's now you've got you've got players with the range of it. Like um, one of the best jackling backs I can remember was um, O'Driscoll. Brian O'Driscoll. Yeah, O'Driscoll was sensational, and he, it helps because of his he's relatively short in, in rugby terms. He's maybe five ten, but big, strong core, big hips, big thighs, um, very good over over the ball. So, from what you've just said, Bath are going to lose. <laughs> it, w- it will be cool to see Yo and Lloyd at ten because then we've got the uh, the player that Wayne Pivak has capped but hasn't picked, and the player that he wanted to pick that wasn't allowed in the squad uh, opposite each other. Yes, the future <laughs> facing the past. Mm. You were the yeah. future once. I wonder if he'll c- uh, come up with that line. Mm. David, uh, David Cameron, t- Tony Blair. Ah, I love it. So, so I also love the fact rug, uh, fantasy rugby draft is back. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it is. Well, of course oh, it is because Premiership games. Yes. I'm dreading fantasy rugby draft uh, this week. And t- Tim, you're having a very, very good season. Fantasy rugby draft so far. It's how's, a, mar- it's a yeah. marathon, not a sprint. How's my season going? 
Not good. Have you? If you have you won you're a game? O, you're zero and five. Um, no, no, you're or you're zero and six. And I'm the commissioner of the league. Can you believe it? And I'm I'm five and one. <sighs> I'm also five and one, but you've scored about uh, two hundred points more than me. Just shy of two hundred points more than me. I'm. I'm I'm riding my luck at the moment with a <laughs> semi-dodgy team. Here, uh, here's something. Ospreys are currently third in, in their conference. They're doing really well. They've got the wins. Their points difference, minus two. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, go on, t- tell me. what. Uh, Bath- oh, so, Bristol are going to win. I agree. I agree. Give me Bristol. I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not backing against Bristol at any point this season. Are you not? Uh, not not anymore. I backed against them a couple. I backed I backed Harlequins against Bristol, which was a terrible mistake, and I'm not making that one again. Yeah. Well, next is a, is a Saracens Bowl. The closest thing we'll get to a Saracens game without watching Saracens. Oh, by the way, Saracens called off their game. Yeah, against Doncaster. Yeah, yeah. So this is tricky because if that's the only table that Saracens are part of, and they come third, and there's two teams that go up, <laughs> it's going to be a hard <laughs> argument to win. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I mm. think Sanderson has got his boys firing on, firing on all cylinders. I've got a feeling, just from the feedback I've had so far, it it's good. And I still don't think Leicester are at the races yet. But Leicester are improving. There's no two ways about it. They are small steps getting closer to where they need to be. It's at Welford Road, but there's no fans. Give me sale. This is a tough one. I'm gonna go sale narrowly. I think I think I am. I think I think Sale will have that natural Sanderson bounce, even if he's not um, implemented all of his structures and and strategy and all the rest of it yet. I I think they will. But I I do like I like the way that um, Leicester are improving. Um, but yeah, probably give me Sale. And the, there's the, some there's some handy um, well Leicester Leicester there a lot of their signings are um, massive South Africans or massive um, Argentines so yeah they, they've put, they've added some serious beef to their team correct and the story so far because I always think about the stories and the first one as I said you've got the young v old Maverick versus metronomic Welsh guys. Yoan Lloyd and Reese Priestland, and now you've got the kind of straight up, the straight man Steve Borthwick, former Saracen, against <laughs> yeah. against the, the sort of more maverick eccentric talker, former Saracen Alex Anderson. The two stories so far, right themselves. That's Friday night taken care of. To Saturday, and there's three live games on BT Sport. Um, Are you working any? No, not this weekend. What? Uh, Bath v uh, Bristol v Bath, and then there's Gloucester v Northampton on Saturday. Uh, Sunday, you mean? Ooh. Oh, Saturday. On Saturday. Saturday. Gloucester Northampton's fascinating. I, I will really yeah. enjoy that one. That's a really tasty one, isn't it? Two teams that really need a win. Big time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, God. That's... Gloucester need... I think Gloucester need this win more than Northampton at home. They, 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 if Gloucester, Gloucester lose this, they're in a right pickle. Yeah. I mean, Gloucester, this... Gloucester are bottom of the league. Yeah. They're on six points. They're three points adrift from Worcester. Uh, they're one of only two teams alongside London Irish who've only won one game, but obviously London Irish have picked up some uh, COVID bonus points. Give me... I think Gloucester are better. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I can see it's been a draw. I can see it's been like a, <laughs> a, a 13-all draw. I think it'll be quite entertaining. Uh, I think Gloucester will win. 
Where are they again? Oof. The gardens? No, it's at Kingzo. Hmm. Give me Gloucester at home. But I, I think this will be. I think that'll be a cracking game. Actually, I'm quite looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. The other game on Saturday is happening at the same time. Is Worcester versus Exeter? Uh, that is not going to go well for Worcester. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, that's not quite the same. Exeter need a reaction. They've had a couple of weeks to stew on some bad performances by their high standards, and uh, I think they'll come back. <laughs> yeah, I've just um, no. I, we'll finish the games, and I'll tell you about this story. Go on. Okay, cool. And then Sunday, London Irish versus Newcastle. First off, Newcastle. Yeah. So London Irish had some really positive things in their loss to Quinns, but Newcastle. They're just a good all-round team, and they're, they're, I say a good all-round team. They they play an intelligent strategy, and they've got a very gnarly pack. Um, so, give me Falcons. I'm going to keep backing the Irish. I, I, I you love Irish. I do love them. Yeah. And final game. This is televised as well on BT Sport. Wasps versus Harlequins. Twenty-point win for Wasps. Mm. I'll go with that. Well, no, I won't go with that. 20, what, 20 point win for Wasps? Uh, I think yeah. Wasps will win. 21 points to Wasps. Uh, what's, the, <laughs> what's the story, JB? Uh, a friend of It's not a real rugby story. Well, it is a rugby story. So last week I mentioned a friend of mine, uh, Wilco, who's 42 and still plays fly half for uh, Tok H. <laughs> and I'll, have you noticed there's a bit of rugby paraphernalia missing from the dungeon? There's what, sorry? There's a bit of rugby paraphernalia missing from the dungeon. Oh, really? There's, a t- there's one thing missing. And it was the, the the donated VCR which Wilco donated to me, uh, which was the and I, I must admit it's kind of my fault. I hadn't I hadn't bought a VCR to play the VCR which he gave me, but it was the nineteen eighty something Lions tour to Australia. Nineteen eighty nine. That's the one. So he sent me the, so he sent me a text saying, "Can I have that uh, VCR back, mate?" And he sent me a follow-up with all the other VCRs which he's got, and this is this is an old man move by any stretch. He's converting his VCRs to DVDs, <laughs> <laughs> not laser disc. <laughs> yeah. So do you get the VCR back when he's converted it to DVD? Then uh, hopefully, right? But would you like to know what else he's converting from a VCR into DVD? This is quality. I'd love. Okay, so Saints Alive. The Northampton Saints Domestic Review, <laughs> 1990 to 2000. Uh, Saints in Heaven, Heineken Cup Champions, same year, 1999 2000. Inside English Rugby, Sweet Chariot. Uh, that's under Clive Woodward. What's this one here? Uh, this one is, I don't know the title, the title is cut off, but Introduction by Chris Ray is another Northampton one. I think. Who's that guy on the front? It's old school. It's so old school. They're in cotton jerseys and no, and there's no sponsorship on the North. Love it. Saints jerseys. And last one, you'll love this one. <laughs> Heroes and villains, live and unleashed, the comical side of rugby. And it's Gareth Chilcott uh, with uh, a couple of other guys either side. Classic stocking filler. Oh, I love it. I loved Gareth Chilcott when I was younger. The, the rugby, rug, well, the old rugby videos back in the day, there was a Brian Moore one as well. There was a Mick the Munch Skinner doing a big hits. Oh, there's more. There's oh, more. Oh, wow. There's uh, all the Lions ones. Uh, the Pride and Passion. That was the... Uh, that sounds like a Lions video. Yeah, the Lions in, in the Battle Down Under. 
bloody hell. He's getting like 11 of these VCRs done. So that, that, that's, a, that's a hell of a the, session. Uh, the rugby community are amazing. So I, I used to be a teacher uh-huh. and I coached uh, James Phillips. And Atwood? Uh, not Atwood. No, I, I was... Uh, Penny... Red, Redford and Chevy Pennycook. So Red, what happened to them? Uh, Red, well, they're both retired now, but Redford Pennycook was played for Newcastle and Bristol. Anyway, I was, the reason I was going to say is, uh, this is how lovely people in rugby are. You just reminded me. So, I went on... I went. I was. I taught and coached Redford. Uh-huh. And then he made his Bristol debut, and I was really chuffed for him. Anyway, so I went on the Bristol Forum just to see how he got on. And there was a guy just... Um, it was just sort of offering anyone anyone who missed the game and wants me to send them a DVD of the match, send it. And I said, I would love to. I used, I, t- I taught Redford that that'd be great. How much do you want? And he said, Don't worry about it. Give me your address. And he just sent me a DVD in the post. Have you got a DVD of the player? game? No, this was years ago. <laughs> this is like ten, fifteen. This is like ten, ten, twelve years ago. And uh, he just he just there are people in rugby clubs that are amazing, like that guy who just mm. for anyone who wanted to. Who missed the game? He would he would burn a DVD of the match, send it in the post to them. Well, I used to play rugby. Well, Brim Williams, friend, friend friend of the pod, and on Saturday nights before we were about to uh, get rather lubricated, um, he said, "Oh, I've got to go." Um, well, why? Because his his granddad, since the age of I don't know how old, used to rec- used to record all the St Helens games, so he had to watch the St Helens game first on on uh, on, on VCR with his granddad before coming out. <laughs> The, go, the Saint Helens game. Yeah, I've just got to go watch the Saints, and I'll be straight back. Oh, I love it. <laughs> love it. Uh, right. Okay. Well. Right. We're done. Well, so, uh, thank you very much for your support. We really appreciate it. And if you'd like, if you appreciate what you hear, and you like the fact that there's always a rugby podcast there for you every single Monday for seven years and counting, give us money. Patreon.com/slash/eggchasers. Uh, he's at jbeermore on Twitter. I'm at Cocker. We're at Rugby Podcast. Phil is lurking on his DMs, and yeah. There you go. Nice one. See see you next week for a double podcast, one about premiership and one a Six Nations preview. Let the boys play. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.